another edition of Inside the Borough, the FU podcast for and by Owls fans. Oh, it's good to come back to a W. Definitely, definitely washes down the sour taste from Gainesville, no doubt about it. But hey, we got some exciting news for you. Uh, of course, Jack, I'm here. How y'all doing, Owl Nation? But we have a uh, we have a new co-host, if you will, Mr. Kirk, fellow Champa Bay lightning fan oh yeah rep the shirt brother uh go ahead champa, and say bay. Hey to- champa bay that's right we got some tampa owls uh kirk how you doing my man i'm great how about yourself excited to join yeah i'm excited to have uh excited to have you no doubt about it love when we have some more tampa owls uh for those who don't know uh kirk why don't you go ahead and uh talk about your connection with fau quickly before we go ahead and dive into the georgia southern game um, well, I graduated back in 2012. So, uh, you know, it was big supporting through uh, going down to Lockhart back when I was an undergrad. Uh, my last season of undergrad was when we were, we started the stadium, been a season ticket holder ever since. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's my fall passion is coming to FA football game. So, you know, love to, you know, love, love football, love to talk about it, love the program. So, you know, it's exciting for me to be able to just talk about the program now, you know, as a fan. And of course, now at least talk about it here with, uh, you know, everybody and with you, most importantly, Jack. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate hearing that, no doubt about it. Uh, I mean, that's just crazy to think that, I think it was the second year at the stadium was was your last year then, right? No, my first, first, because I went, uh, I graduated, because I, you know, got to prolong my college career. So I got to enjoy one year of the stadium as a student, you know, always got to try to do the five-year plan. So I stuck around for that extra, that extra semester, so. I got one year in the stadium. So, I mean, I think 10 years is coming up soon. So it's crazy that 10 years has already been, but the stadium's almost 10 years old too. So I guess it is 10 years. Is this the 10 year of the stadium? Yeah, this, this would be it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. So yeah, you know, love the program and, you know, moved down, you know, after graduating, never left down South Florida. So I've been in, I live in Boynton. So live, live here full time. So it's uh, it's, it's home. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> I definitely know what it's like to take the scenic route when it comes to getting your degree. So you're, you're in a safe space there, my man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and that is a really great point. I want to say October 15th is going to be the 10 year anniversary of the stadium opening. That's something that we really haven't been able to talk a lot on, whether on the owl's nest or on inside the borough. And, and that's Kirk right there with already bringing the heavy hitters just like that. Yeah. Just making myself feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, no doubt about it. I mean, I was doing like an online class and I'm just in a class full of like Zoomers last spring. And it's like, oh man, this is, oh, this is rough. Anyways, let's go ahead and talk about uh, that beautiful, beautiful win over Georgia Southern. Uh, man, it was, it was a bit nerve wracking at first, but the boys definitely found a way to kind of get over that hump. I, I want to say midway through the second quarter, uh, the Jordan Helm fumble recovery was was massive. That turn, uh, the tide gave us momentum. Um, and then some adjustments we made at halftime. I think Rick actually uh, mentioned that in his uh, takeaways after the game. But Kirk, what about for you? What, what, what do you think really turned the tide in FAU's favor? And what is something that you really liked from Saturday's game? I mean what turned the tide was obviously that fumble because I feel like at that point it seemed like this was going to be one of those long games with the triple option that, you know, could go down to the wire. We're probably going to have lose time of possession, probably like 35, 
35-25, you know, maybe 40-20. So that really seemed to change the tide of the game. I mean, like going back to the one we gave up that long third, like what was it, third and 16, third and 15 on just a, a standard triple option, you know, at that point, you know, that, that gave me worries like what the game was going to turn into. But clearly the adjustments that were made to be able to combat that triple option, because I mean, when you look at the second, you know, basically from those first, from that fumble, I mean, Georgia Southern basically did nothing on offense the rest of the game, other than a few, you know, a few plays here and there. So the adjustments the defense made or just got settled into the game and understood their assignments more. So maybe it wasn't even adjusting that. So it was just understanding their assignments and make, you know, because that really is one of the key to triple option football is if you're not, if you're off assignment, they're going to hit their big plays and you can't stop it. So, you know, I just think the defense really settled into the game. So that, that was the thing that was most exciting, especially looking at it. Yeah, yeah, Kirk, I, I agree with you. And and I, w- I was a bit worried about the defense still learning the new scheme, uh, Coach Stoops, you know, defense and playing an option threat, but they handled it as well as they could, I would say. Um, it, it did help that Georgia Southern, I mean, again, they didn't have their starting quarterback who's had academic issues. Uh, they then put their third or fourth string quarterback in because uh, Cam Ransom got hurt for a little bit. Their number three guys started playing running back because their starting running back had some issues. So it, it was definitely a um, a day that worked out in our favor when it came to the logistics of the Georgia Southern offense. And and I'm just happy that we were able to take advantage of it. Coach yeah, Tiger, I, mean, I don't think you shouldn't apologize for taking advantage of those situations. You know, that's what good teams do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine all the times throughout the decade you and I have been I mean, decade, I mean, you know, the last 10 years of following FAU football where we had little things go wrong and teams would punish us for it. And it's kind of nice that we have the talent and we have the, the understanding of the fundamentals of our offense and our defense and the special teams to be able to exploit those weaknesses in other teams. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, Coach Taggart, he said last week, uh, he said it in a post-game presser, he said it again this morning, uh, we're recording this uh, Monday morning, that since he's been at FAU, he has not had all three aspects of, of the team firing on all cylinders at the same time. And, and, and he said that this was the first time that it happened. And it was definitely great to see. Uh, now, I think, I think it puts FAU in a, in a great position uh, coming up with the rest of the, rest of the year. Uh, that being said, before, before we jump into X and O's regarding the next game, Fordham, a, a, an FCS team that could give some the Owls some fits. Uh, let's talk about the game day experience real quick. Now, this was the first game at FAU Stadium uh, of the season, the home opener, but it's also the first game in two years, really, uh, because of the COVID protocols and things. Things are kind of going back to normal. And uh, obviously, I'm up here in North Carolina, and uh, from what I saw, uh, I was pretty happy with 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 the student turnout uh, over there in the sweltering heat i mean 100 degree yeah. heat index is a joke but but also the alumni side uh underneath the tower looked looked great as well and a lot of times you see the fans there kind of around the, the bar uh yeah. just hanging out in there and with the air conditioning or, or the fans i should say but they were in the seats and they were making the noise and it even seemed like the end zones were fine were decent maybe maybe not yeah. the end zone where the scoreboard is in uh, but it, it looked like a pretty decent crowd. Uh, what are your takeaways when it comes to the experience of the game? I mean, the 
the crowd was great. I mean, it was a great turnout for the first game, especially, you know, it's like, like Georgia Southern's a, a huge opponent that's going to draw people to the stands. And, you know, in most cases, not like UCF or anything like that. Um, you know, the tailgating before the game was really, really good. I mean, between, you know, the students, even with the new rules, it seems like the students came out in full forces to still tailgate. So that didn't really hamper their, their turnout. Only disappointing, I would say, on their end is like maybe it's more on the schools. They really they cut out tailgating about an hour before the game started. So we were uh, kind of where we were tailgating was towards the IVA dorm. So we saw a lot of students heading back towards the dorms after they cut the tailgating. So as good as the student crowd was, I feel like it could have been way better if they let them tailgate a little bit longer, especially with this, like we talked about the sweltering heat. So if you let them tailgate a little bit longer, you know, they're not going to go sit in that heat. Um, the crowd inside was great. Um, you know, a couple, you know, you know, we always kind of discuss like FAU when we do get good crowds, they always seem to drop the ball a little bit inside the stadium, you know, really long concession stand lines. Um, the bar seemed understaffed, which, you know, could be understandable because like a lot of things, especially the service industry are short on staff. So, you know, it could very well be because of that. So I don't want to totally throw blame there because, you know, join the club when it comes to that type of thing right now. Um, you know, it seemed like it was also kind of a free-for-all on the Hyundai deck. They weren't really checking tickets. So it seemed like, you know, you could kind of come and go as you pleased, whether if you were sitting there or not. But, I mean, overall, though, the crowd, was, you know, was great. So I think, it, you know, it set a good standard for the rest of the year to move on. So hopefully they can kind of follow that up with Ford Ohm and obviously with the Shula Bowl after that. So I think it gave – it felt like a good atmosphere. It wasn't a dead stadium. You know, there, there was cheering. You, you could make a little bit noise. It, you know, the, the crowd felt like there was a nice presence. So it was, it was a nice – opening game especially just having stuff back to normalcy from last year when you know you were just going if you were going you were going and there's no tailgating you know it was truly just go to watch the football game which you know I think football is great we all love football but the best thing about college football is everything that comes with it so we got that back you know yeah on Saturday yeah here 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 uh it's the pageantry of college football that makes it special no doubt about it And, and one thing that I think of is is traditions when it comes to college football. And I thought it was so freaking sweet to see uh, the football team. We, we've seen the uh, um, we win, we sing uh, uh, tweets and videos and Instagrams and everything inside the locker room. But it was so cool to see the team go to the other side of the field, join the student section and, and sing the fight song. And, and I, I think that that could be a great treat for the students that, that stay all the way. Because if you saw their faces, they were having a blast with that. And, and you, you could see that the players loved it too. Coach Taggart was there eating it up. I, I think that's something that the university and the, the program and marketing could hopefully build upon. And maybe that can become something that, that carries with the program. I mean, and you see it all the time. The singing of alma maters and everything after a game in front of the student section. Obviously, you know, we're still trying to, build a sense of tradition but at least we can do something similar right and it shows appreciation back to the band and the students who like you said did stick it out because i mean i feel like especially for the band you know they want to be performing for somebody so to show that i mean like anything in life you want to show that the appreciation because i mean in the past games i know former band members have pointed out to me how like the band will be playing after the game and you know the players are just going inside the stadium or kind of just you know was ignoring them so it was a great sign of just bringing everyone in together to make them feel part of the end of the game experience. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that, you know, until you just said it. So absolutely. Well, and that's a great point uh, to you as well. Uh, I feel like one of the most common complaints about FAU tradition and culture 
is the band. And, and mm-hmm. it seems like they're looking great. So I want to give a shout out to the Marching Owls. I saw them in Gainesville, uh, saw them again uh, over this weekend. Uh, it looks like they're bigger, they're louder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the thing I think it's most important than all of that is that they look like they're having fun. Like they're excited to be doing all these things. And, and that's, that's something that can definitely help build tradition uh, with FAU football. So I, I hats off to the band. I love seeing that, guys. So uh, thank you for everything that you do. And I, Kirk, I'm happy that you mentioned that. All right. So let's go ahead and dive <laughs> into the Fordham Rams. Uh, this one's interesting, guys, because Kirk and I, we were talking about this uh, right before we hit uh, the record button. They were in a fight with Nebraska in Lincoln right after Nebraska had their embarrassing loss to Illinois. Um, they were in there for the first half, right, Kirk? They ended up losing yeah. fifty-two to ended up losing fifty-two to seven. Um, but you said they had a t- turnover late in the second quarter, and that kind of turned the tide. So yeah, I mean, it was a three-point game up until about, or yeah, it was a three-point game up until about four minutes left in the second quarter. So yeah, and then. They put Nebraska put up two late scores to kind of blow it open going into the second half. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine if Nebraska really struggled with that one? I don't think there's a way Scott Frost would survive. Um, but we move on. Uh, Fordham is going to be 0 2 as they head down to Paradise. They lost to Monmouth last week, 26 to 23, a close game. Let me get some stats here for you guys. Despite the loss, uh, quarter uh, the quarterback Tim. DeMorit and linebacker Ryan Greenhagen. They won the Patriot League, their conference, uh, players of the week for both offense and defense. Uh, DeMorit, the quarterback, went 27 for 49 for 352 yards and three touchdowns. So all three scores came uh, via the air for the Rams. But the most interesting, interesting thing is Ryan Greenhagen. Listen to this. This dude is nuts. He had 28 tackles. Last week against Monmouth. Wow, impressive, right? That's nothing. He just set the NCAA record for 31 tackles the week before at Nebraska. That is insane. This dude's a monster. I mean, he's getting around the ball. I mean, whether if it's 10 yards on the field or at the line of scrimmage, I mean, that putting up those type of ball numbers around the ball is, is incredible. It's something that we would say often is that it's always worrying when your safety is leading the team in tackles. Uh, yeah. We see that at FAU when it comes to playing a lot of the power schools or back in the years when, I mean, Kirk, I know, I know you remember, I unfortunately remember the, the down years, no doubt about it. When even we're playing Conference USA teams, it would still be, I don't know, Sharon Neesman as a leading tackler. <laughs> yeah. But, but that being said, I mean, Greenhagen is a linebacker who is just – at the right place at the right time constantly. I mean, he reminds me of, of Aziz Alshair and Rashad Smith combined into one. Uh, it's, it's, it's very impressive. And it, I'm excited to see the challenge that the offensive line uh, is going to have uh, when it comes against him because he is clearly, clearly a beast back there that deserves some respect. So all, all in all, what do you want to see going into Fordham? Again, we're, we're kind of hyping up the Rams here, but let's let's be real here. All right, they're 0-2, FCS. This should be a game that FAU blows them out. What What is something that you want to see that could make you think, yeah, this proves it, the Owls are legit this year? 
you know, I'd love to see him jump out to an early lead, you know, stomp on him early in the first quarter, especially when you saw some of those, you know, the team, the really good teams under lane is they would jump out and we'd step on their throats and the game would be over by, you know, mid second quarter. Like, you know, speaking of the Bethune Cookman game a couple of years ago, you know, those type of games, like that's what the game script should look like. Um, you know, get all the, you know, get the older guys out of there. So that way you stay healthy for the air force game next week. Cause you know, that's going to be a dog fight and just being, you know, being in the elevation, being, you know, tri another triple option team and get, you know, some of the young guys obviously get Tronte some more game day experience, you know, maybe even if you could sneak Michael Johnson jr. In there for a driver two towards the end of the game is just, you know, trying to get those young guys take advantage. They still had, I would imagine they had, they didn't change it. You still have the four game rule. So getting some of those freshmen who you might redshirt, get them some game time in this, in the, you know, in this game, because who knows, you may not get another opportunity the rest of the year. So I think it's really important to jump out. So you can just build some depth, see, see what freshmen and young guys might be there available to play later on in the year or see the guys who, you know, need to be redshirted and, you know, call it a year. Um, so that, that's really what I think the keys are is jump out and get, you know, learn about the team, especially the depth positions. I, I'm so happy you said that because I feel like we really haven't seen a Willie Taggart Owls team really just, just go full throttle early quite yet. Um, I mean, obviously in UF, both of our touchdowns came in a second quarter. <laughs> Georgia Southern, we're all freaking out, you know, at the end of the first yeah. quarter, like, holy smokes, this is not good. Uh, so I, I agree. When, when it comes to a team like that's, that's from the FCS, you got to put your foot on their throat early. Uh, so, so for the fans that don't know what, what Kirk means about that, that four game rule, the NCAA a couple of years ago said that any player that plays four or less games can get redshirted and the games that they do play, let's say if it's just a, a pair, those games will not count against their eligibility. So, I mean, that, that's, that's a great, great point you have there, Kirk. Uh, I, I would love to see, uh, Michael Johnson Jr. Uh, get some play time. Tronti, I mean, I, li I like to see him more in that four-minute style of offense. That's something that he has done so well in for so long. And you'd rather want to hold that to the more competitive games. We, we hope we don't need yeah. <laughs> to kill clock against Fordham. And, and speaking of which, I mean, I, I think he played rather well when asked upon last week. So, I mean, yeah, that was a nice, that was a nice thing to see towards the end of the last game is kind of got that killer instinct he had against kind of his, the year of, you know, last year of Chris, you know, Robeson. So he kind of saw that come back just, you know, with Nicosi this time. Absolutely. Uh, I would like, I mean, the, the passing game already looks great. I mean, <laughs> Nicosi Perry, uh, co-offensive player of the week in conference USA, four touchdowns, 332 yards on just 19 completions. I mean, that 50 yard bomb especially was gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really wanna see the, the rushing attack improve. And that's something I, I said last week. I, I, wanted, I wanted Johnny Ford to hit 100, 150 yards. Haven't quite seen it yet, especially when it came to the explosiveness going north, south, seemed like he was going more east and west, which is a bit frustrating, but I get it. He's still trying to work his way in, into the, the schemes of the offense and everything. Uh, but Malcolm Davidson looked good. Uh, McCammon looked good at times. So I, I would love to see the rushing attack to be established uh, this week. That way we can go into Air Force and we can go into conference play with a balanced attack that's really going to strike fear in opposing defenses. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a great point because we really haven't seen those ex explosive type runs yet. I mean, you would have thought you'd maybe get a few of those against Georgia Southern, but, you know, we really didn't. We, we beat them throwing the ball. Granted, I mean, it looked like from the week before, Georgia Southern seemed like they were beatable in the passing game. So maybe that was just part of the game plan. But, to even, they, you know, just to have that confidence builder for those running backs is they just might need that game to have, like you said, confidence for Air Force and then go into the conference play. So, you know, they have an idea of who they can go to in certain situations because we have four, three, four, probably four capable backs who can probably start for you and get 15, 20 carries if you need to. But, you know, to have that depth and know who you can turn to in certain situations is, is going to be key, if, especially if you want to look to win the conference. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to have a balanced attack when it comes against teams like, Marshall and Western Kentucky and it's like I, I can't stand that I feel like every single week we record a podcast and it's it's always like oh against teams like Western Kentucky and Marshall and I just I just want to stop saying the M word Marshall and because uh, I'm, I'm just over it it's over it. personal personal thing you all see my my Twitter timeline and the constant battles I'm in but what can you do when people have dial-up internet still I don't know it's, it's they're, they're a bit <laughs> slow to it so uh, that's it. A quick one for you guys uh, against FCS competition, uh, but definitely good to be back in paradise, uh, especially with a win under our belt. Hopefully we can go back over 500 uh, with a really tough Air Force game coming up. Uh, you know, yeah, they, they look pretty good against Navy last week, but that's something that we'll talk about. So uh, Kirk, hey man, I want I want to welcome you and I want to thank you for being here. No doubt about it. Uh, anything you want to say to Owl Nation before we sign off? I look forward to being here every week and you know being a part of it. And you know, send your thoughts. Let me know what we can do better, what I can do better in the future. But I'm happy to be here. There you go, man. Hey, real quick, how can uh, Owls fans uh, follow you on Twitter if they're interested? Um, at Kirk J two. So you'll be seeing a lot of FAU tweets, probably some uh, Tampa Bay tweets and a lot of soccer tweets. So hey, there you go. You be ready for some soccer tweets for you if you don't like soccer. See, so you all can see why I, I have Kirk on the pod. Yeah, another soccer guy. Here you a lot go. Of common, yeah, yeah, a lot of common, uh, <laughs> common things to talk about here. <laughs> Brilliant. There you go. Well, all right, Owl Nation. Uh, thank you so much for following uh, yet again. We really appreciate everyone's support. Uh, hopefully you all saw that we are back on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, thank you so much for your patience. But remember, guys, the, the, first, uh, the very first place we can get our episodes will be fuowlsnest.com and on YouTube. So make sure you're there if you want to stay up to date on all the hot takes. So there we are. Kirk, welcome. First one in the belt. Brother, good job. Appreciate it. Thank you. Likewise. Derek, good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, Owl Nation, we'll see you next week. Knock on wood. Hopefully we're two and one. If not, we're going to have a really long conversation if we're one and two next week. That all being said, thank you so much, guys. And as always, go Owls.